at a certain point you do have to take a step forward even if you're walking in faith you know you just got to go out there and start making a movie right just get in the desert and start wandering if you're told to right if god tells you go make a movie go wander in the desert whatever it is write this story And welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. And we all need motivation, maybe to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests, digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. Tell me a story. Four words that uh, can define you know what what I do with my life. Uh, hey, this is Jason Dennis, uh, TV news anchor, and your host today for the Run the Race podcast. A uh, hundred and three down, many more episodes to go. And uh, speaking of storytelling, um, we our guest for today, John Graham, is an award winning director, writer, and producer of films. He says storytelling allows us to dream so that others may experience truth. And he uh, does faith-based films, so that's the the best truth of all, the good news. And, uh, you know, those words, tell me a story. Um, There's a a person who was ahead of a network decades ago when a young journalist asked him, hey, you know, what's so important about, you know, 60 Minutes and, and TV and news and all that kind of stuff? He says four words. Tell me a story. And, you know, we all love hearing stories and, and be, being storytellers. And uh, so uh, John Graham is, uh, is, is great at it, uh, has been doing it for many years, has uh, done a number of feature films that are on major distribution flat platforms around the world. He has directed and produced seven feature films, which can be found uh, and were released by Universal Home Entertainment, Pure Flix, and RLG Entertainment. He's uh, also done five travel documentaries, a web series for CBS, and episodes of True Crime for Real ID Channel. So uh, looking forward to uh, that conversation with him. And uh, most recently, uh, he did a film uh, in this area, Columbus, Georgia area, and uh, shot it a few years ago. It just uh, premiered uh, a couple weeks ago called The Greatest Inheritance. It uh, co-starred and co-produced by a Phoenix City, Alabama native, Meredith Riley Stewart. And uh, it's, it's an independent film by uh, a play, uh, an entertainment group that John Graham actually founded, Nashville-based Mustard Seed Entertainment. And uh, the cast has uh, Jaleel White, who you may know from Urkel on Family Matters. Also, Mina Suvari, who uh, was on American Pie and, and some other award-winning films. And so they spent uh, you know two and a half weeks back in 2020 filming this movie during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic in this small little town called Eupatoy, which is you know northeast Columbus. It deals with the biblical theme of you can't take it with you, and uh, talks about how you know the true inheritance in life is not about you know the estate or the money, but but the people they were, we are blessed to call our family. So here's a little you know sneak peek. If you haven't seen it yet or want to see it soon, we're going to tell you about how to do that. So here's a little bit from the trailer for The Greatest Inheritance. I want you all to know that your mom was an exceptional woman. And over the past weeks, I've spent a lot of time with her. And she put a lot of time into this. Okay. So are we going to read the will? You have activated the special rule. What does this mean? It means first to find the deed inherits everything. 
And the producer of that film, John Graham, uh, is going to be joining me in just a few minutes. Uh, he you know, has had a passion for drama and fine arts that led him to go attend the Savannah College of Art and Design, known as SCAD. And then uh, that's where he discovered the art of filmmaking. And, uh, you know, he's been a production assistant uh, now all the way up to producer, writer, and director of, again, uh, numerous feature films, many of them faith-based. His movie shoots have taken him uh, really all around the world, Norway, Peru, Mexico, the Kingdom of Thailand, and, and all states of the USA, and also including national parks and monuments. Uh, he's also passionate about sharing film knowledge with others so they may also you know, find that joy in, in making these movies as well. One of his movies, Switched, starring uh, Denise Richards and John Schneider, was recently voted a fan favorite on Pure Flix, and it was awarded Best Screenplay by the Kairos Pro Prize at the 2019 Movie Guide Awards. And uh, he's taken his own feature films from conception to completion, uh, writing several that haven't seen the light of day yet. So uh, he joins me from uh, New Mexico via Zoom. And once again, uh, The Greatest Inheritance is his latest movie uh, as the founder of Mustard Seed Entertainment, wanting to put out clean entertainment that has biblical influence. So here's what John Graham says about the filmmaking process and uh, how God is a part of that. All right, I'd like to welcome to the podcast John Katie Graham, known uh, to his friends as John or John Graham. Thank you so much for joining us uh, from uh, New Mexico, right? That's right. I'm in New Mexico at the moment. I'm back to my desert rat origins. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you spend, I, I know you recently shot a movie, you know, uh, well, I mean, years ago in Georgia, where, where, I, where I am, but you're also in Los Angeles. You're really kind of all over, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I grew up moving all over the place. And I, I should tell you, my mom's a Georgia peach. She's from Waycross, Georgia. Ah, okay. So interestingly enough, also, like, the family in my most recent film is named Bose, And that's another family name that's now in South Carolina. So went to school in Georgia, bounced back and forth between New Mexico and Georgia and Louisiana, finished school, <laughs> ended up back in New Mexico, then L.A., now I'm back in New Mexico. Yeah, back in the, yeah, the, the countryside. Well, we're going to, I mean, it's going to be a great yeah. co great conversation today. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, faith-based movies and Mustard Seed Entertainment and uh, you traveling the world like you've been talking about a little bit. And also, you know, I know you have a big passion for, for helping future filmmakers as well, including in Savannah, where you have some roots as well. Uh, but I wanted to start off with um, the latest movie that just premiered, I think, uh, about a week or two ago as when this podcast comes out, The Greatest Inheritance, shot um, actually in the smaller town where I live, Midland, Georgia, right next to Columbus, about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. So uh, tell me about uh, what was that experience like? And I know that was kind of in the midst of COVID and everything else going on. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, talk about, you know, having to take a walk of faith. Uh, I, I was petrified to go shoot the movie when we did because we shot it in July. I think we shot, started July 17th because I turned, my birthday was a few days after we started. And um, I, I actually told everyone, I was like, look, this is the first time I'm ever going to say, I don't know that if we have the money and go start a movie that we'll finish a movie. I've always felt confident saying it before. And this time I just didn't know I could. It was just because there were uncertainties, you know, like and at that time, if an actor got sick, it could derail you for a week or two and like it could cause a lot of complications. So uh, honestly, we, we decided to, uh, to go for it. And it was my producer, Meredith Riley Stewart. And um, so she was actually the one that was like, no, you know, what? we've got it all planned. She's also a, a, a scientist, so she gets all this. She's like, I think we can make it work. And so honestly, we did. And it was the best thing we ever did because we didn't have a single case of COVID. So 
my feeling was like, you know, we, we, we walked with the faith that we could do it. We all did our part to be safe. But honestly, it's like we were blessed. I mean, not a single case. And we tested some people three times a week, sometimes two times a week, depending on like their position, basically. Yeah. Now, yeah. I know, and, and you've done a number of movies in all kinds of different locations, you know, uh, with different, uh, you know, kind of famous actors or maybe people that are not known. But with this uh, shooting during the COVID pandemic and, and during the heart of it, um, what did that teach you about, you know, faith and about filmmaking? And did it did it uh, change maybe the way you do things now? Hmm. No, that's a really interesting question. I, I'll, actually, I'll tell you what, one thing that I do feel like has changed for me is that the need to always be rushing and the need to make decisions that actually create dangerous potential situations over saving money has disappeared for me. Hmm. I, I've started to see that if you can't plan it so that you can do it cheaply and safely, then you have to choose to do it less cheaply, you know, because there's no world to do it less safely. Because we didn't have room for error, you know what I mean? Like when we were shooting during COVID, we had to make sure that we were able to succeed with the film. Um, and I don't mean that you can like force anything into perfection. It's just sort of like, um, I mean, as you've heard in other film worlds, you know, there's been people killed on set by guns firing real bullets and all kinds of stuff that should not be happening, you know? And if the reality is it should be more important that things are as safe as possible over let's get this done quick and save a dime, which is, the tendency, I think, with not just movie making, but I think anything, right? I mean, it's why a lot of jobs are outsourced. It's why like stuff happens to save a buck, you know? Absolutely. So I think that for me, that's weirdly what I took out of it, even though it's sort of, that's an evolution of that thought to this time now, I guess, you know? But um, I, I just felt like everyone on set was cognizant of being careful. And, you know, of course we sometimes weren't perfect and you know, a mask might come down or whatever, but look, no one, no one got it. It was crazy, you know? Um, and that's a miracle too. I think that, you know, God's helping in that, but there's something to be said for, it's like the joke, right? Where God will send three things to rescue you and you don't take any because you're waiting for God to rescue you and you get to heaven. He's like, why, well, what was wrong with all the things I said? That's a paraphrase <laughs> of the joke, but you know, at a certain point you do have to take a step forward, even if you're walking in faith, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's going to make the movie was that. And then also just making sure we did it safely. Somehow we did it, you know, yeah. it's amazing. So, yeah. And it hasn't been, a, also say. and has it been a conscious choice of yours in your career, um, maybe from the beginning or, or somewhere in there where it's, you know, faith-based movies is something that you wanted to do and, and focus on because, you know, there's always the misconceptions perhaps, or the, uh, you know, uh, kind of stereotype of faith-based movies, which I'm sure you've seen a lot in, in the last, you know, decade or so. Yeah, I do think that um, for various reasons, there tends to be um, something that's considered like second rate about faith-based films. And I have my opinions on what those things are sometimes and other people have their opinions. And it just depends on who you ask, which is what gets complicated about a faith-based film, I think, you know. Um, but uh, my thought is, you know, when I first had the chance to make one, it was Catching Faith and we had just come off of making like the first film I'd ever made that was a uh, home sweet home. And it was like a home invasion movie that actually it's featured in my house. <laughs> it actually, it's actually this house I'm in right now. Wow. And um, uh, it's such a different type of movie we made that, we, you know, that one was made because horror stuff sells, you know, um, and it was more of a thriller, but it was uh, Ryan Keller is a business partner that was helping us make sales and figure out how to place movies. And we were all like fledgling filmmakers. 
he said, have you thought about making a faith-based film? And that was prior to God's Not Dead coming out. So it was even before that was a big explosion. He was like, I think there's going to be a market for it more. He kind of always had his dial on what was happening, like in a distribution sense. And, um, you know, really, I had always thought of them as not something I would make because of exactly what you were saying. And then it was sort of like, well, 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 but why, you know? So that's what Mustard Seed was sort of formed to do was like, let's make movies that speak to the Christian audience that, uh, and I'm not saying everyone thinks they're not cheesy, right? I'm sure people think they're cheesy, but let's try to make them more accessible to like an average movie goer. Like, what is it that's missing? And, you know, sometimes it's just the, the finesse of filmmaking or something. And that's changed a lot since we had that first thought because, you know, there's all sorts of amazing movies made now. But And, um, uh, you know, and also kind of maybe adding in, it's not just like a story about this family or a love story. You add in maybe to a faith-based movie an, an, an action element or sports like Catching Faith. You know, that was a, a football totally. element. Yeah. And, you know, what? And to be totally transparent, like, you know, partially it's because that's also a thing that markets well. And it also markets well with like a Midwest or a you know Christian audience is football. Um, I'm sure baseball does, too. But football we had access to because we had a connection to two minor league teams that were in the area where we filmed. And that was like a super low budget movie, you know, and we were able to pull it together. And so it ended up being football. And um, it's it's interesting because I do think that adding those other elements are what's important. I have a film that I'm attached to now that's called Vitra's Stream. And it's this epic kind of story about a young girl that's lost her mother. And then she goes on this journey of faith, like basically led by God and around her, like the, the forces of heaven and hell, like fighting for like the outcome of, you know, what she's going to discover or not. And it's this basically it's like an epic fantasy for the Christian audience and, you know, I had to tell uh, my producing partner on it, Roberta, I was like, I just want to warn you. I'm like, sometimes people are afraid of this stuff, but there's not technically anything wrong with it. And she's like, I think that's okay. Like if, if we're getting to where there's more Marvel hero movies out and all this stuff, like why shouldn't we be able to make something that speaks directly to a Christian? You know, and I think that's an interesting question. So we're going to explore that with this movie, Vitra's Strain, that's basically an epic faith fan, fantasy. <laughs> wow, wow. It's going to be neat. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And, and uh, you know, movies are definitely changing the way people watch them, the way people, you know, uh, streaming stuff. People maybe not go into the theater as much as they used to and uh, different things. And you've got, you know, there's, there's Pure Flicks now, which I know that um, your, your movie Switched was actually uh, named uh, a, a fan favorite on that, uh, on that uh, streaming service. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, what does it mean you know, to be able to have these different places where you can distribute, maybe not how you used to you know 10 years ago you know that's interesting and i feel like i might be a little bit some people are savvier probably i'm still like catching up to learning about it but like some films that have been you know considered shelved in the sense that they've done their moment have now gotten onto tubi which is a whole new market for stuff that even has already been out you know and that's usually the problem with the film is stuff has a shelf life so i think that you're right in streaming it's interesting because everyone's always trying to diversify their content so like even if you've released and been to DVD and then been to Pure Flix, you could later suddenly end up back on a Netflix if it just fit what they were looking for at the moment, as long as the right person's shopping it. So it's still this weird kind of real estate-y aspect to like films, you know? But I would say there's more markets than ever. It's kind of like having Zillow, right? It's like now we have like the Zillow of house stuff and it's like oh, I can stream the network. <laughs> you, you, get your, you get your choices. Choose your own adventure, perhaps, something like that. You yeah. know, it's actually interesting. My fiance, Lava Buckley, and I were talking about this the other day that now, you know, we're watching Moon Knight that just started on Disney. And I, when I was a kid, read those comics. So I'm like, wow, they're making a movie. I'm so curious, you know. 
and it's back to where it's one a week. And we all thought that was dead. You know, like, didn't you think that that was gone? You used to have to, when I was growing up, you used to have to wait. It was anticipation for that Thursday night show to come on, you know, or something like that. It's, it's true. And now you get things that are releasing online before they're even in the theater. It's really interesting. Yeah. What, what is your preference? Just, and I don't mean this in any way. Like I, I'm not a purist. It's like, it has to be in the theater or you're not doing anything right. Like I actually think there's lots of ways to take a movie. Uh, but w w what do you prefer? Do you like at home or do you like the theater better? I mean, the ho home is comfortable, uh, but you know, maybe I'll fall True. asleep more, but I, you know, going to the movies <laughs> is great. I love it. You know, the whole, it's got an experience. You're with other people, there is. you've got your popcorn, but I mean, think about it when you, when you get the, the food and the ticket, I mean, you're paying, you know, 20, 30 or bucks more per person, which is, you know, but, yeah. but to see a movie like, like the Spider-Man movie that came out in the last few months, mm -hmm. to see that with totally. a big crowd and that, that's, it's like going to a sporting event uh, so that's, that's I, yeah. I agree and, and you know what I think the answer is it's not only one type of movie it's like whatever your type of movie is that's what you should see in the theater if you like that experience you know if it's like a talking heads drama and that's your thing like go to the theater man cry with everybody you know <laughs> <laughs> but you're right there is something amazing about the group experience it's like going to church you know there's something about the gathering um breaking uh, it's interesting it's almost a breaking of bread in a way when those first credits roll Absolutely. And when people are talking, they're like, shh, we're breaking bread, stop. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Turn your cell phone off, yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, you talk about, you know, football uh, or, or something else being an element to kind of include in a faith-based movie to, to kind of ha have it be more appealing and more marketable. Also having big names, you know, actors or actresses that people know, it's even true. if they knew them like 20 years ago. Uh, in the movie you shot here, The Greatest Inheritance, you had Jaleel White. Uh, people knew him from Urkel from uh, Family Matters. Mina Suvari, who was in a lot of movies, you know, uh, 10, 20 years ago, and then switched. You had Denise Richards and John Schneider. So what's it like, yeah. you know, do, do these actors and actresses, are they purposefully choosing faith-based movies as well? Maybe they've had a, a turn in their life and they want to do something that's more meaningful and, and doesn't uh, maybe uh, have that uh, element, the R-rated element perhaps? You know, that's an interesting question. I, I would imagine it's a little bit different for everybody. But the one thing in common is that they weren't turned off by it being faith-based. I got to tell you, uh, it, the casting of a faith-based film is quite interesting because very often when people find out it's faith-based, they might shy away from it for whatever reason they have, you know? Um, and so the one thing I note are these people are open to it. And I, I think, I don't know if every single person is, is per se a Christian, but I also don't ask, you know, and I think that they all treat it respectfully and some people definitely are there. Like I've, I've had actors tell me that, you know, they were tired of getting these raunchy and terrible movies offered to them. And, you know, I know, for example, like for Jaleel, like he's a very stand up and um, serious, even though he's really funny, Jaleel's hilarious, but he's also a very serious dude. And like, I think that um, it's hard for him to always be just typecasted as kind of this Urkel type, you know? And, um, what he brought to the character, Mr. Shepard in our movie, which is this, you know, we wrote him to be this kind of quirky lawyer dude, um, which honestly could have easily been taken in that Urkel direction and might've even been written a tiny bit that way before we even knew we were going to go for him. And um, instead it got cleaned up into this more like suave, just quirky guy. Like I feel like you'd see him as like a secret agent in a British movie, almost in another place in time, you know, um, he's uh, he really brought something amazing to that character and that was him and uh, still made it funny, but I gotta say that's amazing. And Mina Savari 
is just the kindest, most down to earth person ever. And she was very open to the concepts of the movie. And she herself has a lot of siblings and talked about that. There's um, some BTS videos that will surface eventually that where she talks about that a little bit, I think. Yeah. And, um, and I'll tell you what, I, the w- one thing I will say, going back to what did I experience also, is just people are good and kind and want to be able to do a thing together. And as long as I think you all work together in that intention of taking care of each other and stuff, it really comes together um, the way it's supposed to, like in a divine, beautiful sense rather than just kind of chaos smashed together you know yeah. i think we've all experienced something that's been like chaos smashed together you know it's like <laughs> it's holding together but only because you just kept hitting it so hard you know yeah and it's like um if finding those actors who are receptive to it though is it's key because uh, you know you don't want anyone that's going to be mocking it if it's not their belief either or they just can't take it serious even if it is yeah so, so winded, but there you go. So you and the crew and the cast didn't mind so much the because uh, if you filmed in July here in Georgia, I, I'm sure it was hot and hot. humid because I mean I know in out west you got the heat, but you don't have that humidity like we have here. It is drier. It's true. You know, I mean we've shot in other hot situations before, um, at least me and the core people. But it, nonetheless, you know, whether you're used to the Georgia heat or not, it's still hot. And um, part of the reason was it was advised to us just to be one of the least COVID number of times because of that heat that there was more likely to beat the, uh, the sickness back, you know? Yeah. So that was part of our decision to go at that time. It also timed out with our plans. And you know, it's funny you ask that, but I, I do see behind the scene photos of me and sometimes I'm very sweaty. <laughs> you can tell when I'm outside that I'm dressed for it. Like I've, like I'm covered head to toe, like in linen or something, you know, and I've like ridiculous big brim hats on and, um, so the pictures of me, it's like, I could be anyone. I could be a stand-in for myself easily. <laughs> but um, I, I, I don't know, man. It's like, I mean, I did, you know, I, I went to school in Georgia for four years and I lived in Louisiana for a long time. So maybe it came back to me, but I feel like I went on autopilot and just when we were working, I just stopped thinking about it, you know? Yeah. And we I'm were sure in, if I went inside, I was like, wow, it's glorious. In there. <laughs> Thank goodness for air conditioning. Yeah. And, and you yeah, know, yeah. faith-based movies, you know, in some ways are separated from Hollywood. You know, you've got, you know, Hollywood, and, and maybe Hollywood doesn't let faith-based movies in the door, perhaps, in some ways. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, speaking of heat, uh, I, I, would, I definitely wanted to ask you about this as well, because, I mean, you probably watched the Oscars. And so the, oh, uh, yeah. the, the Will Smith and uh, slap of Chris Rock, I mean, as somebody that's in this industry, what, what did you think? I mean, were you just like, how could something like this happen, you know? You know, I'm going to shock people probably and say first that I wasn't even watching live. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, a lot of people I, don't I, watch I'm the way Oscars, too, you know? I'm just so antsy and so creative, you know, and like I can't, even if I was watching, I'd be doing something ridiculous like cutting out paper to make this paper animation I'm working on for a music video or something, you know. But I would say that, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's entirely my place to comment on any of it all, but my big picture thought is I feel like a physical violence reaction is always extreme, you know, when it's not defending life or physical body. Um, do I know what was going on in his or Jada's head or Chris or them, or if there had there been any communication about this prior? I mean, the Oscar, wait, I mean, weren't they saying we got to get rid of, you know, certain parts of the showing to make sure that it's more appetizing to the audience, you know? I feel like the last time I remember sports talking about that was 
hockey in the 90s and that's when they were encouraging fighting going on so yeah. i'm not saying it was staged i don't think it was fake at all i thought it at first for a while and i really analyzed it and i'm like oh it looks like a stage hit and i just i don't it just doesn't make sense to be fake you know why would they agree to it it makes them look bad why yeah. all these things i don't know so i i can't help but wonder i gotta be honest dude i, I know how nefarious reality tv and trying to get ratings can be i can't help but wonder if somebody knew it was a sore spot and an unapproachable item and it was an issue forced anyway um that's me hypothesizing and i'm not in any way interested in getting into online fights about it because i'm just making up stuff as we're talking you know but i'm suspicious of the tv wanting ratings that being said i don't ever think that violence is the best answer and i how should it have been dealt with after? I mean, shoot, we're going to probably tear that apart for eons, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, I think, unfortunately, though, I will tell you, and I was listening to someone else talk about it today, and again, I know less about this, and it's not my spot, but if you look into the, you know, to the, the relationship of the, the, the Smiths, it's not super rosy, so I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I've experienced very abusive people close, close in my life before, too, and it does make you do weird things and not always understand reality exactly. You know, so I'm not excusing anything. I'm just saying I, I think it was totally wrong, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I, I don't know. It's like there's a lot to unpack there. I think I think even society wise, there's a lot to unpack. Like it's OK to hit someone and stay for an award show and get an award and, you know, <laughs> say you did it for love. And I'm not condemning Will by any means. And it's also OK to, you know, you know, make a mistake with a joke and then also not say anything, but it's not okay to get hit. I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's society. We really need to examine ourselves and say, well, what is our response to that? Yeah. I think that's, what's the most interesting is our response to it is actually how that response got to be where it is in the first place. I think, you know, yeah. like as a group of breathing, living entities that all coexist, even if we're different, like we're all sort of, is a, you know, I'd say it's, it's, it seems indicative of the times too, though. Right. It's not the first time we've seen, semi-violent extreme reactions to things you yeah. know people, whether they were right are, or wrong i mean who knows yeah people are triggered by things and and you know you you have you know a lot of people watching that maybe after the fact and not maybe not watching it live and you know uh you know, i was talking earlier about how you um really seem to enjoy i've read helping future filmmakers in fact at your alma mater savannah uh, college art design helping pas and and uh you know and so when, when they see you know something like that or when they talk want to talk about you know um making movies and faith-based stuff what is what are some of the, the the keys to success you give uh to people who want to you know break into this movie business you know i think the most important thing i tell them is you just gotta go do it you know you can't wait for the most perfect moment for anything to happen for you you know and if you want to look at it from a biblical perspective there's plenty of people that have just gone to wander in the desert <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> they chose just to do it even if they didn't know where they were headed you know or exactly when they would come back or what would happen while they were there and um you know from the israelites to elijah to jesus you know and i think that they would probably just say you just got to do it and trust it'll happen just like sprinting you know like when you sprint for track i used to run track like you you get in the, the sprint position, if you ever look it up, if you don't know what I'm talking about, like you get down on the ground almost like you're doing a yoga pose. You know, you get really leaned forward so that when that signal goes off, all you can do is fall forward and get your feet under you. You know, and it's sort of this, that's my recommendation for starting a project, no matter what level you're at. Whether you're Steven Spielberg now, who's still doing it after all this time, and is like, how do I do it now, maybe, you know? All the way to a PA that's like, well, I've never done it. How do I do it? You just got to do it. If you're waiting to figure it out or you're trying to find the person to make it happen for you, you're probably going to be waiting. And 
because there's a million people waiting for someone to take them to the finish line is what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and there's no one way to do anything either. And the easiest way to do it is just to do it. <laughs> Literally when I told the PAs, <laughs> I did a PA boot camp. I wrote a PA boot camp for my alma mater, SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design. And, um, you know, they really care about their students. They were, they, a lot of students were concerned about, I guess, not feeling comfortable being PAs for the first time. And there's a lot of work in Georgia now, you know? And, um, so they have been putting together rolling boot camps that different people teach. And it's funny, mine had like an explosion of people feeling confident. And I'll, I'll tell you what, dude, I come from a line of teachers. <laughs> I've taught swim lessons, like I've taught before too, taught films. So like, um, I think I just might've just, you know, overloaded the canon, if you will. But like, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's an important thing to feel confident, right? Because even I struggle with that. I'm, I'm about to make a proof of concept coming up for a sci-fi film. I haven't done sci-fi in forever. And, uh, you know, I had a moment where I'm like, well, do I know what I'm doing? And I'm like, yeah, of course I do. It's a story about a person who, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, but everyone needs that little jump, jump kick. And I think that, um, there's a lot of people online. At one point I talked about making a class or something and starting to put something together. And I kind of realized what I really love to do is maybe in the moment, teach people. Um, I don't know if I'm like one of those YouTuber types, you know, so I might've shied away from that. <laughs> and but that and being we, said, like, I, I love people to reach out to me. If, if like, if anyone listening there in Georgia is like, Hey, we have a media class and we just want to chat with you. Like reach out to me. Cause if I can line up my schedule, I'll do it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And you, we, we talk about fitness on this podcast as well. You mentioned the fact you were used to be oh, yeah. track and running. So do you still do that kind of thing now? And cause I mean, I know it can be a stressful job, you know, being on a movie set, writing movies and directing, um, or do you, yeah. maybe that's perhaps fitness enough to do all the things you're doing. Right? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, you know, like when you're on set, it is on your feet nonstop. Like I usually, I easily get 10,000 steps a day when I'm shooting. Um, but you know, the reality of my life is not that I'm on set every day, like a nine to five job, like everyone, my life's very odd. Um, a lot of my time is spent like creating things, developing, working on stuff here and there, like, you know, piecing together things that are approaching and like, uh, so when I am on set, yes, lots of workout as far as walking, I try to walk around the, that's why I like living rurally. I like to get outside with, I have a dog and three cats and they ironically all like to go on a walk. So oh. they'll like walk down the driveway and all of them will go. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> So we do a lot of hiking on the property too. They'll come for that. I have to watch out because sometimes I'll look out my window and like I have like 16 acres here and I'll see my dog going up over the hill with all three cats following him. I'm like, get back here. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you but, were um, talking about um, writing movies earlier. Um, and uh, so how many movies have you written or movie scripts and that have come to fruition oh, that wow. you've written? Well, I'll put it this way. I have three feature films that I've written, you know, some by myself, some with other people that have never seen the light of day oh. and have been in many hands and no one's ever just made it. People have optioned it, which just never happened. Like it's very odd how things come together and sometimes things come together out of order. We wrote The Inheritance and then we wrote Switched. And then they wrote Catching Faith too. Without that writing, do you, does, does, um, does your, your faith upbringing or like you said, you know, Bible stories, does that influence kind of what you, like how you tell a story or do you, are you kind of more focused on the characters and the kind of the theme? You know, it's actually really interesting, that question. Um, I think it depends on the project. So like, um, for example, uh, Catching Faith, we knew, we knew that the biblical idea was going to be um, integrity, you know, like how you handle yourself is what matters. Speaking the truth matters. Like that was the purpose of everything that 
pretty much everyone had to learn in the movie. All the family members had to learn it in their own way. Um, so we kind of knew that one and, and uh, went and wrote that one. And then sometimes we'd have an idea, for example, like Switched, we thought it would be cool. Like, how can we make a movie that's different for the faith audience? And for some reason throughout my life, I've written a lot of women-led things. Like even back in high school, I was writing short stories with women leads and it was weird, but I think the truth was I was approaching them as people because I obviously don't know the women's story the way a woman would, but I was approaching them as people. Because I think at the time in the nineties, you know, when I was doing this in high schooler, there was, there was actually a lot less. It was women about women, you know? So I think that I just felt that that was a missing voice that I was interested in. Hmm. I grew up an only child with like a, a mom that was home in the summers because she was a teacher. So I'm thinking that's how, you know? Um, so I'm very much a heterosexual dude, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's odd, but I think it's somehow I connect to that voice. I've always had a lot of really dear friends that are women. Like I have no problems. I'm very connected to my feminine side, I guess you'd say. Sure. Um, for as much as being a dude too. And then, um, uh, we decided that like switch needed to have just, you know, it needed to speak to a younger female audience because it was often an audience that was left out of faith movies. Um, just probably because there wasn't a voice speaking that, you know? And so that's how switch came to be. And then, so we came up with the idea, Oh, well, what would be cool is like a freaky Friday. Let's, you know, maybe, maybe it's like they switch bodies. Oh, well that would be like, you know, love your neighbors yourself. Like literally. So it's almost like it dovetailed really quickly into an idea that was biblical, you know, as soon as we had the idea. Um, and then I've been, I have, I have a movie I've been working on uh, called God of the river. That's about a young woman that, uh, essentially discovers whitewater rafting hmm. <laughs> of all things and um, kind of a new friend group and like it changes the flow of her life literally so weirdly I've been writing the story and it's a faith film and um, it's been guided by my own grief with losing my father and right before the pandemic um, which is all cool now like so you know it's all good but it's like it's interesting I keep writing about grief so I'm obviously working through it and then um I've been trying to figure out, okay, so what is the biblical message here? So that one interestingly caused me to go dig in the Bible to reveal the message. Wow. So it's almost like with that one, God showed me something, you know, and it was something that I felt that when it's happening, it's good. Like I said, Hey, you just got to go out there and start making a movie, right? Just get in the desert and start wandering. If you're told to, right. If God tells you, go make a movie, go wander in the desert, whatever it is, write this story. You just got to start down that path and you've got to find the way as best you can, right. With, with interaction, I guess, you know, yeah. through your faith and with God too. And some of that stuff that's already happened to you, you know, cause God exists outside of time, the way we think of it. So like some of what you've learned for this moment actually has already happened, which is the idea of pulling from your past as a writer to me, you know, it's so like all these weird things coalesced. And then I started digging in my Bible to find like, well, what is this? Like, what is, what is this idea? And I realized it's, it's about going with the flow, which is like a walk of faith. It's like, if you're in the river, right. You have to know when to paddle to get out of the way of a rapid, and you have to know when to wait to let the river carry you to where it's going to go. And if you don't know when to do the right things, you actually can throw yourself out of balance. And I feel like that's sort of like walking free will versus, you know, um, following the will of God, if that makes sense. It's very deep and fascinating as well, you know, uh, to, to, to hear you talk about things like that. And, um, you know, Mustard Seed Entertainment, um, you know, you're talking about that earlier. It talks in the Bible about having faith as small as a mustard seed. So um, now you're um, part owner of the production company. Is that correct? So Mustard or, Seed. Or you're, or truthfully, what's, what's your part of it, I guess? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll explain it. So I'm a founder of Mustard Seed. And truthfully, Mustard Seed is a branding. Um, that we just used when a group of us were making the film. 
each film has its own like the way this the way that films are made is like they're they're many businesses you know and like um the best way to make one is you actually set up a series of llcs and it's like people think that sounds fishy and like you're hiding stuff and it's like no no, no it's all legal stuff because it's like you have a you have investors right and they put money in that goes into one account so they can track that goes in and then when it pays out it comes out of there and it's like it just makes it clean and like cpas like it and like otherwise everyone starts getting upset including the feds if you can't follow the trail right and so like you have like a series of llcs to, to funnel the money in from the investors into making the movie and then back out the other way again and um it also protects everyone it protects the investors from the movie like if the movie were to steal all the money or if someone were to like hold it hostage and like kidnap the movie set or something. I'm making this all up, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it breaks up the line of connections so that people aren't essentially tapping into the investors or the, or like, you know, whoever's funding it, even if it's like paramount, right. You're not tapping into their master bank account, basically, if that makes sense, both legally and financially, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that's and, uh, overly simplifying it, but um, go ahead. Now, I was going to say, you know, what, what is it uh, in this day and time when we're going through all that we're going through, what does it mean to have a, a place, you know, Mustard Seed Entertainment, that you know you can rely on what comes from that is, you know, good, clean, you know, entertainment that maybe the whole family can see as opposed to, I mean, not to say, not that we're bad-mouthing yeah. this company or this company that puts out movies, but Mustard Seed Entertainment, I imagine you're putting out things that are, you know, uh, anybody can see. Yeah, you know what? I think that that's the idea is like if you build a brand, not only do people see your mark on it and think, oh, that's a movie I like or I like other movies by them. You know, it's like seeing Disney on something. Disney started as just a made up name, you know, that a guy in a garage is doing while animating. You know what I mean? It was his name. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So like uh, it becomes a thing you recognize for good or for bad, whatever that is. You know, it's funny. People have different opinions about that. And then uh, I think that you know that's why other organizations exist too like you know getting the dove stamp of approval you know um it means that there's a group that you can trust that's going through and looking at it and citing and a lot of our movies have reached that and they're very thorough like in catching faith we got like i think a, a demotion because one of our actors had a shorter skirt on and the funny thing is we didn't even realize it you know we we're like oh wow Sure, the skirt was too long. <laughs> you know, like double no, but that's good because they're watching out for people that do have like toddlers that might just be able to watch whatever's on TV, you know? So they're making sure the content's acceptable in general, not just visually, but what you hear and what it's about. Um, but yeah, so that's the idea with um, you know, any company, and that's what Mustard Seed had done. And um, you know, I think that it's hard in this day and age too, where like things can change and shift like, you know, who do you know who to rely on? Which is why you've got to find the, the parent safe stuff nowadays too, because it's all piped right into you, you know? So there's not yet enough movies to be a mustard seed channel or anything, but maybe, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. And one last question for you, you know, I know this is maybe different with each individual movie, whether it be, the, you know, The Greatest Inheritance, Switched, Catching Faith, any of your you know, former movies or future movies. But, you know, what is for you overall as a filmmaker and specifically, you know, as somebody that makes, you know, a lot of faith based movies, what do you hope the audience gets, whether they go see it in the theater or they're watching it from their couch? What is, you know, kind of your overarching goal, like to be entertained or to, to really kind of make somebody think and, uh, uh, you know, maybe want to improve? These are good questions. You know, to be very selfish, uh, I want people to have entertainment and to learn something. But sure. <laughs> so I, ultimately, ultimately, I hope they're entertained. I mean, it is at its root a story about siblings coming home to collect their share of the inheritance only to discover that their mom 
has set it up with her lawyer in a complicated, like kind of all or nothing stakes game they have to play. And the purpose is to bring them all back together, to reunite them because throughout their past, they had kind of like had something that divided them apart. And she wants, since they're family and siblings, for them to be brought back together. So she knew they would all come home for their inheritance, <laughs> as I'm sure most people would. Uh, so she set it up that the only way to get it is that they have to play this game together. And um, uh, she's, uh, it's funny, you gotta see it. She's made up a really great book of rules and Julia White is in charge of the rules and uh, it gets pretty zany. Did you get a chance to see it yourself? I haven't got a chance to see it yet. I, I, oh, I, know, I know it premiered here in the Columbus, Georgia area about a week ago, so I need to- oh, I'm so, sorry no, you didn't no, make so, it, yeah. now, now I know it's on Prime Video. Where, where can people see a movie like that? I mean, or Pure Flix, or where, where can people see a lot of your movies? Yeah, so uh, the best place to see this one at the moment, I believe, would be on your favorite streaming network. It's on SVOD and VOD at this moment. It's soon-ish going to come out on DVD. Um, and you can pre-order every order of the DVD on Amazon and probably any of your favorite stores you can pre-order. Um, and so, like, you can see it on Amazon and iTunes and uh, Vudu. There's a lot of places right now you can stream it. I'd say search, and you'll probably be able to find out where you can stream it. Um, but places like Netflix and uh, PureFlix, those are a different type of streaming. Those actually come a little bit later in the game, unless they're paying like humongous amounts to get like, you know, the Avengers ahead of time or something like that. It's become an entirely new game of how all that stuff comes together too. So most movies like mine that are these indie films actually release first on like an Amazon or an iTunes so that uh, people who want to rent it will rent it. It's kind of the equivalent of coming out in Blockbuster back in the day or a movie theater run. We do have that but it's a very limited run in some select theaters. You'll just have to look it up because I've forgotten where they all are. Um, <laughs> I, I, do, but, I, do miss, but, uh, I do miss Blockbuster because, I mean, you, you go into the store and you, you yeah. kind of get to pick out, you know, you ha yeah, it's tangible. You have it in your hands, you know? Well, I'll tell you what. If you go to my website, it's johnkdgraham.com, you know, www.johnkdgraham.com. Uh, click on the videos tab, I think is what it calls called and uh, there's a video there if you scroll down i think it's at the top called dark side which is a music video that my fiance and i acted in for a friend of ours uh for a music video we made this music video just us across the pacific northwest and um we actually go to the last blockbuster there's still one in bend <laughs> oregon so you'll see me like go by it but uh nice nice see I'll... i recommend you going dude it's like a step back in time if you if you remember Blockbuster, I recommend in Bend, Oregon, going to the last Blockbuster. I actually saw my movie Switch there on the new releases. It was so exciting. Wow. I, I used I to like, I, I finally I, have I, a movie in Blockbuster. <laughs> I used to work at a Blockbuster. I was like a video specialist. Yeah. I don't know if they called us that, whatever it was, you know. So, what does uh, that mean? What is a video specialist? I, I don't know. I mean, you, I guess we pretended like we knew what we were talking about, you know. Oh, like, you know, I see. People are like, people are like, is Switched a good movie? Oh, yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, you should definitely rent it. Definitely. Know? Yeah. Definitely great. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank um, you. Thank you so much. Funny, John. <laughs> thank you so much, John, for your time. I appreciate it. And, and we wish you Godspeed on making all these future movies and uh, looking forward to uh, watching the, the Greatest Inheritance as well. Thanks, man. And you know what? If I, if I can pull the river raft one together, I know a river that's over there that I might try to do it at. So if I end up there, maybe I'll come on live. Yeah, come on by. We, we've got a great whitewater course here in Columbus. So it's a lot of fun. So yeah, thanks I've so written much. it. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks so much, man. Now, from what I understand, The Greatest Inheritance is available on a, uh, a number of platforms, Apple TV, Vudu, Amazon Prime, uh, vi the video store that is to purchase it, not streaming, Google Play, DirecTV, 
um, Verizon, YouTube, so you can watch it there. I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing John Graham's future projects as well. Maybe he'll end up back over here in the Chattahoochee Valley and in uh, West Georgia and East Alabama on the Chattahoochee River for whitewater rafting for uh, that film he talked about, God of the River. So thanks again to John uh, for joining us. And you're going to be really excited about our, our next guest uh, that we'll have next week. He is a former pro soccer player and also former winner of the Survivor competition and TV show. And now he's running the Boston Marathon for the second time to celebrate being 10 years cancer-free. Ethan Zahn One of my favorites from one of my favorite shows, Survivor. He'll be on next week on the Run the Race podcast, which you can find on WTVM.com slash podcast. All the previous 100-plus episodes, and it's on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, so you can find it anywhere. And, you know, we're talking about uh, stories and so uh, I have I have one for you that maybe could you know kind of turn into a movie the way it kind of played out, and uh, that is one of our final segments. Food for thought today. So there's been numerous stories written uh, about uh, you know March Madness, the NCAA tournament that just ended. I'm a big North Carolina Tar Heel fan. Uh, they made it a, a lot farther than I and most thought they could, making it to the championship game, losing by just three points to Kansas. But this is after beating Duke the previous two games against their arch rivals, including ending Coach K, Mike Shashevsky's career. But uh, you know, the North Carolina has a brand new head basketball coach replacing Roy Williams was Hubert Davis. And, uh, you know, we talk about faith on this podcast. He is um, unashamed, speaks candidly about Christ. He sees coaching as a service, as a mission field. So after, uh, you know, the, the you know blowout losses that he had earlier this year, his team, the Tar Heels, um, they, you know, the team expected a tongue lashing, but instead they got a lot of positivity from their new coach, Hubert Davis. He says, guys, I love you. And, uh, you know, he, and he, and he talks about how, you know, he, he brought up from a great family, but he lost his mom early in life. Um, she died, you know, and, uh, when he was just in high school. And so he entered the university of North Carolina where he was a student and an, a great athlete and, and, you know, an all American. And he, uh, he was an angry man. He said that was bitter that God, he said had robbed him of his mother, but his UNC coaches like Dean Smith urged all their players to go to church and he went and he said, quote, I started to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for me and how much he loves me. And two days before my junior year of college, I became a Christian. So he said, instead of being upset that Jesus had taken away the most beautiful person in my life, in my mom, I'm thankful every day that he gave me the best that I could ever have for 16 years. My faith in Christ is the foundation of who I am. When I say that I walk this path in my own shoes and my own personality, that is my faith. My personality is my faith. That's Hubert Davis, uh, inspirational. Um, he's using that platform to talk about God, to talk about his love for people, for the University of North Carolina. And that positivity, you know, it can't help but be infectious uh, for his players, the fans, uh, just people in general to see how, you know, he doesn't curse at all, which is, uh, you know, maybe uh, unusual for a basketball coach at a major university like this. Or And he played in, you know, the pros NBA for a dozen years, so uh, he's been around. So uh, I applaud Hubert Davis for being so candid about Jesus, about his faith, and uh, we appreciate that. And I appreciate, uh, even though it was a disappointing end of the season, so proud of him and the Tar Heels 
for uh, doing just some amazing things on the basketball court and off it as well. Our parting gift for today, uh, talking about uh, faith-based movies like the ones that that John Graham makes, and uh, one that uh, you know a lot of you may have seen or heard of called "Heaven Is for Real." Uh, there's a quote from that that says, "What we believe changes what we perceive." I'll say that again: What we believe changes what we perceive. There's a lot of perceptions about how things are going to go in life and what people think of us, what we think of others, you know, judging people, uh, you know, first impressions. But uh, what we believe, you know, if you believe in light and love and God, you know, it changes what we perceive. It, it kind of gives us a different view uh, through the looking glass, perhaps. So a great quote there from the movie, Heaven is for Real. Closing this podcast now in prayer, dear God, just thank you for this opportunity to talk about how, you know, we can use entertainment to, to glorify you and to lift you up and to, to help people overcome uh, challenges and uh, things in life uh, to be resilient uh, with, with the strength that you give us. And uh, again, God, just uh, thank you for, um, you know, this, this podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, those that are listening right now. Touch them, their bodies, heal them with uh, the things they need physically and emotionally. There's so many people going through mental health issues right now that you will, uh, God, surround them with love and comfort and peace. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, thank you so much again for being here on the uh, Run the Race podcast. Don't miss next week's episode. Don't forget Ethan Zahn, former survivor uh, on, the, on the TV show and a survivor of cancer, about to run the Boston Marathon, which I hope to run one day. And, you know, next episode, I'm also going to give you a recap of my latest marathon in St. Louis, 21st overall marathon in my 18th state, and it was my fastest. So get ready for that. Uh, we'll see you next time. God bless.